0: Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. We want to start off with a new series called Created for Community. And, you know, we live in a really big city. It's almost 1.3 million people. It's kind of hard to fathom that many people. I was realizing that over my lifetime, I've lived all the way from a community of 100 to a community of 1.3 million. Uh, A little difference between the 100 and the 1.3 million. But here's the reality. Whether you live in a really big city or whether you live in a hamlet of 100 people, you can still be lonely. Did you realize that? It really doesn't matter. We can say, oh, I live in a big city. I feel so isolated. It's true. You can have all these people around you and still feel lonely, or you can have hardly anyone around you which makes sense, and feel lonely. The reality is we need each other. We need God first, but then God created us to actually need each other. We were never meant to be islands. We were never meant to just be on our own, and so we want to look at how in a big city like this can we actually have relationship? How can we connect with one another and live in a way that 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 we don't feel alone, that we have support, that we're not only investing in other people's lives, but we're being invested into our lives. I think that's what God has for us. So that's why the next few weeks we're going to look at this Created for Community series. Today we're going to look at a family for the fight. A family for the fight. And I want to start off with a story. Val and I really understand how important it is to have church family. I'm sure you are too. I'm sure many of you uh, who have been long term attenders in church over the years have had moments where you're so glad you've had church family around you Val and I uh, tomorrow is the 33rd anniversary of the passing you'll see a picture here, the passing of Val 's parents, and uh, that 's her mom and dad on the on the left. We always laugh a bit because that was like the last photo. Uh, They did an official family picture, and her dad looks less than excited in that photo. We're not sure why completely, but we we do chuckle about it. But that's her mom and dad. And then on the right here is a Christmas. I don't know if it was the last one or the one before where um, they're opening gifts, and that's Val and her parents. And so 33 years ago tomorrow, January 7th, I remember the day vividly, Val was signing up at Lethbridge Community College to go into her secretarial program, her second semester. I was with her, and uh, we thought it was like any other day. But that afternoon, her parents were heading to Champion, uh, heading actually north to a place called Linden, and they were rounding the corner at Champion, Alberta. There used to be a really sharp corner there. If, you, if you'd driven the Highway 23, you'll remember that. And they've since evened it out, but it was a really sharp corner. They were rounding that corner, and a car from Vulcan carrying the pharmacist's wife and her mother came around the corner, hit some black ice, hit Val's parents' truck head-on, and all four of them eventually were killed. Val's parents instantly, and the other occupant in the car, and then the, the mother later. It's a really tragic story. Uh, there was a 1,000 people at the funeral, even though we would just say these were average people Val's parents were a farming couple they were pillars in our church elders and loved by so many but they impacted so many lives they touched so many people you can appreciate though what a hole it left Val was 19 her siblings were 17 15 and 13 I was 20 and my dad was already gone Val's parents were suddenly gone 10 months later we got married You can appreciate the stress overall that that put on us. You can appreciate how our life changed. Now, let me just share something with you. That's a tough story. And that impacted our life, changed our life to this day. Now, God is gracious, and he has been so good to us. One of the ways that he was so gracious is he had us in a strong church family. When I look back, I mean, our pastor, John Syrett, other people in the church, they rallied around us. They were, they were the family we didn't have. Here's these orphans, which they were. And this church rallied around them, supported them. Remember when we got married, uh, it actually didn't cost us an arm and a leg to get married 10 months later because people in our church, they catered, they served, they gave. Like it was an amazing, amazing time for us and support. So let, let me just say this. The reason I share this story with you is because if someone says to me, the church doesn't work, if someone says to me, the local church isn't important, if someone says to me, you don't have to be part of a church family, I will stand in their face and tell them, there's no way I would have made it without a church family. You can't get that online, you can't get that on TV. The church family that stood with you when your parents are killed, you can't get that anywhere. And I I say that because that's just the conviction that I have. And, and, And I think it's a conviction God wants all of us to have, not in some heavy conviction way, but in a reality where we understand that he puts us in community for a reason. That we not only do we need other people in our times of weakness, but we need to be able to invest in others in their time of weakness. It's a give and a take. It's like any healthy family, right? There, there are. If you've been in a family, which you will have, right? You'll know that there are good and bad times. There are times when some members of the family are really strong and doing well. And there's times where those same members aren't. And maybe you're doing well, maybe they're not, and maybe vice versa. You know what I'm saying? That's the way it is in church. And so we rally around each other. We stand with each other. I like Ecclesiastes 4. Here, here's what it says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, I love this passage. I use this passage frequently at weddings because it talks about the two, right? Two are better than one, and, of course, you know, those people getting married wouldn't be getting married if they didn't believe that, right? Like, two are better than one. Amen, pastor. That's where we're getting married. But here, here's the good news. That third strand I always really like to talk about because I believe that third strand strand is the Lord. I mean, we need each other. Two strands. You know this about cords. If you have like a three-strand cord, it's way stronger than a two-strand cord. And so you add God in the mix with each other, and all of a sudden, we're really strong. and We have that strength. I like what the Talmud says. It's written in the Talmud. A man without a companion is like a left hand without the right. And that's referring to this concept. Somebody on their own without somebody else is like having a left hand without a right hand. We need each other. The Bible's clear about that. If you fall down, who's there to help you? And if they fall down, you're not there to help them. And that's the sad part. So God called us to come together together. To be able to stand. Now, I think, let's take this a little further. I think this community is more than just about survival, okay? Like sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've been in survival mode. You ever been in survival mode where you're just trying to make it? You're just trying to stay going. And we've all been there at different parts. But I don't, like you, I don't want to stay in survival mode. I actually want to thrive. I actually want to prosper, right? I actually want to move ahead into what God has And actually see all his plans for me. And I I believe that that's also, you know, being part of a local church family can be survival. Sometimes it's like with Val and I and our family when her parents were killed. It was like survival. It, it, It was a crisis. And having them around at that time was everything to us. But there's other times where you're doing well, but God wants you to go to the next level. God actually wants you to fight for the things that he's put in your hands. And, and so God wants us to come through those survival places, but then come to a place where we we thrive, where we go deeper. And that's where the local church and church family is so important as well. I love a story in 1 Chronicles 11 and 2 Samuel 23. Now, if you ever want to study some of the most heroic people in the Bible, I encourage you to look at David's mighty men. In fact, I have a slide. Look at this. So this is a... I hope it's fairly clear. This is from uh, 19... This is someone who painted David's money, man. I don't know if they're super clear. But, uh, you know, you ever wonder what they look like? Obviously, they didn't have uh, photographs or anything. But this is the thought of these guys. I mean, you want to talk about beards. Like, a lot of these guys had massive beards, hey? Like, if that was... If that's what it means... Anybody have, like, massive... I'm looking. I'm looking in the crowd here. Oh. Oh. Well, there we go. He's totally a mighty man. It totally fits. Anyway, so you can see that we've got we got David's mighty man. Now these guys were, were incredible. If you want to look at some of the most bizarre stories, consider the accounts. One of them jumped down in a pit on a snowy day to fight a leopard. I mean, I wouldn't jump down in a pit on a really nice sunny day to fight a leopard or anything. But this guy, you know, had it in his mind, fought and killed the leopard on a, on a snowy day. There's other stories, if you read, where these guys would fight against the odds to defeat the enemy. Well, one of my favorite stories is a story of a man named Eleazar. If you read about David's mighty men, they're all kind of grouped into categories. You have the three mighty men, like the three top, most daring, courageous people. And then you've got other... Other men, there's 30 of them, and then you've got other levels, but they're all incredible. But, but this guy is part of the top three. His name is Eleazar, son of Dodi the Ahohite. <laughs> <laughs> I love their last names, right? Uh, can we just call you Dodi for short? <laughs> That's a little bit long. Anyway, so Eleazar, he, he, he's one of the three mighty men. And it says he was with David at a place called Pasdamom. And the enemy came, the Philistines came. Now, if you know something about the Old Testament, you know, anytime you read the Old Testament and the Philistines show up, they represent the devil, okay? Because Israel was God's people, and their eternal enemy for years after years after years was the Philistines. They never went away. They were always attacking. They were always trying to steal. And isn't that kind of the way it is in our lives? Don't you just wish the enemy of your souls would leave you alone? Like completely, like just buzz off. We won. we won that victory yesterday, so you're gone now. Oh, wait a minute, you're back today to bug me. What, what now, right? Like that's how it feels. And that's what the Philistines were like. They were constantly coming back, constantly nattering, really, at Israel, taunting Israel. So here's what happens. There's a field of barley, and it was harvest time. The barley was ripe. Anybody here ever find that the enemy wants to come right at the moment where things are really good? Likes to steal it. Because he knows what a harvest is. He goes, hmm, there's a harvest there in that person's life. I think I'll take that. Because he's he's a thief, right? So he wants to come. So, So the army of Israel was there. And the Philistines could see the barley field. So they swooped in. And they wanted to take the field. Now there was a lot of them. And so... The bulk of the army fled. Probably most people thought this. They probably thought, it's just a field of barley. You know, it's just grain. Who cares? Let it go. It's not worth my life. It's not worth fighting for. There's other fields, right? Like most of them. Except this guy, Eleazar, who was one of David's mighty men, and here's why he was one of David's mighty men. Something in him, like David, rose up, and he thought, This is God's field. God gave us this field. And the enemy wants to steal this field, but it's our field. Over my dead body. That's literally what his attitude was. Over my dead body, this enemy is going to steal this field from us. And it's clear in 1 Chronicles 11 that, uh, that he wasn't alone. I believe actually that Eliezer and David, the two of them, fought in this field. Well, everybody else fled. They stood in there and fought the enemy. Now, now you got to understand something. They were outnumbered. It didn't make sense. The only thing that made sense is something in them that said, this is our field, and I'm not just going to abandon our field. I'm going to fight for our field. And so they did. Now, Here's the cool part if you go to 2 Samuel 23. It says, the men of Israel retreated, but he, Eleazar, stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. You're thinking, is it really that cold that his hand froze to the sword? No, that's not what it means. What it means is, you ever, you ever held something so tightly that you couldn't unclench it? You ever done that? Like, I'm trying to think of an example. I know in my own life I've had that where I was you know, holding on to something so tight it might have been that I needed to. And then to let go later was actually hard, right? Like your muscles are so... So this guy, think of it. He's got his sword. The enemy's coming. He's fighting the enemy. I don't know how long, but that would be a while. And so he fought the enemy so long and so rigorously that when the battle was over, he couldn't even peel his hand off the sword. Now, is that a little bit of determination? That's a little bit of fire there, right? Like this guy. And he won the day they kept the field. Now, I like that passion. I think sometimes we're lacking that a bit, aren't you? Don't you think so? Sometimes we might be like those other Israelites who go, eh, it's not that worth it. There's other fields, (laughs) right? We might be that way. And yet something in us needs to rise up where we go, no, no, this is my field. I was promised this by God. God promised this to me. I am not letting this go. You, come on, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you until this is over. See, I think the lesson in this story is that the enemy is not that strong. You think of two guys fighting all these enemies. Why do you think they won the battle? Because God was with them. (laughs) Wasn't there incredible skills? I mean, if they didn't stand in there, God, God had nothing to work with. You hear what I'm saying? Let me just say something. Sometimes we want the miracle, we want the breakthrough, but we don't want to stand in there to let God do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? We say, God, I want the breakthrough of my life. And it's like, Well, God, come and fight in my field. God, just take over the field for me. God, come in. And He goes, Uh, you know what? I want to give you victory here, but you got to stand in your field and you got to wield your sword. Now, there's a whole picture there, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, which I believe applies. But standing in truth, standing in boldness, standing in perseverance, you got to stand in your field. But when you do, God will come. God will come and bring a miracle. Even when it looks like you're outgunned, outmatched, and it's impossible. Don't give up your field, whatever it is. Some of you know your field right now. That God's saying, don't give up your field. Don't let go. You might have been tempted in this year to go, wow, we'll just forget about that. God's saying, don't forget about that. I promised you that. I said I was going to do something there. Don't give up. So God used, again, in community. My point is this. David and Eliezer fought together. They fought in the field together. And because they did, they took the field. I remember a woman in our days in Medicine Hat, we had a young woman join our church. And uh, she was a mess. She had been sexually abused for years as a young person. She was very broken. We loved this young woman. We really grew to appreciate her. She, she had such a sense of humor, and she was always doing these funny things, but she was hurting and wounded. And we stood with her. I remember numerous times we would pray with her. We would led her through prayer. We ministered to her, and it took a while. It wasn't, like, instant. It took a while. But I'll tell you, this was really cool. Her life was worth fighting for. Her destiny was worth fighting for. And even at times when she couldn't fight for her own destiny, she had people in her church that stood with her and said, we're going to fight for your destiny. We're going to stand with you. You know, You know. my greatest moment, uh, personally, was when we married her to... Uh, her wonderful husband, she has two kids now. And uh, I remember standing there, knowing her past, knowing everything she had gone through, knowing the devastation she'd experienced. And I remember standing there in the chapel as she stood at the door, the door opened, and this woman in white stands there. And her husband's up here. And it was such a beautiful picture. (laughs) Here's this young woman. Who had come through so much. And yet there she stands in white. Because God has done something in her heart. He's healed her. He's purified her. And now here's her husband. And she's, she's a wonderful young woman. We know her to this day. We stood with her in her field. We fought with her in her field. God doesn't want you to give up on your field. She, this young woman, there's times she was giving up on whether she would be free. But she had people around her that wouldn't give up. God wants that. I want to show you a video. This is a powerful video that I came across about a month ago. And it shows how important it is that we stay connected with other people. That we stay in relationship. That when we're on our own, we're in danger. But when we stay with others and fight the battle, we will win. Watch this video. As they mature... Young males begin to explore the boundaries of the pride's territory. Red has ventured out alone. And London straight into the middle of the hyena clam. <laughs> <laughs> He's trapped by over twenty of them. The pack tries to wear him down, this number of hyenas could kill him. to fight them all at once. (laughs) He can't keep them at bay for much longer. He's tiring fast. Ally Tartu has heard the commotion. too much to take on. Red is lucky. Do you see all those bites? Do you see those little nips all over his hide? So those hyenas, there's a perfect picture there, right? See how it says they're working to wear him down, right? Now, a lion's a formidable foe, and those 20 know it, but they know if they can wear him down, wear him down, wear him down. Does this sound familiar at all? Do you ever feel like that hyena, that, that lion with the hyenas around you? That's the enemy, right? Swooping around you, lying to you, nipping at you. Yeah. Now, see, here's the reality. If we get isolated on our own, Look at how vulnerable the one lion was. 20. It takes 20 hyenas to take him down, but they're going to take him down. And he's wearing out. He's being nipped at. But the second one comes. And I love it when the second one comes. Because, you know, 20 can take one down, but not two. Isn't that amazing? Now, that kind of reminds you of scripture, right? One can chase a thousand, two, ten thousand. 10,000. How powerful it is when we join with other people. See, one on their own. Going to get worn down. This is a picture of what it's like out of community. See, this this is epidemic in our Christian culture today. Christians who stay on their own. Christians who have walked away from the church. I hear about it all the time. Relationship. Now, let me just say this. Sometimes there are bad things that happen, and I get that. But I think the lie is when you believe you don't need other people. That's a lie. Because the enemy knows it, and he plants that seed. And then he circles and circles and circles and looks to take you down. But when the other person shows up, when the other people in your life come, the enemy has to flee. There's a powerful picture there. Do you get what I'm saying? I just, when I watched that, I was so impacted by how powerful that is. You know, some of you here right now, you're being nipped by the hyenas. You can can feel it in your life. And you need others to help. You need to stand with others. You need to walk with others so that you can defeat them. One can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000. One is possible to bring down one, but it's not possible and not easy to bring down two. That's the point. I love the passage here, Matthew 18. Truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, one of the things we want to do here to start the year, something really practical, is we want to help you stand in your field. Let me ask you this question today. What is the field God wants you to war for this year? What is the area of your life that God has given you, promised you, that he says, don't give up on this? It might be a financial area. It might be an area of financial breakthrough in your life and struggle, and God says, Don't despair. Begin to do the right things. Continue to do the right things. Believe for breakthrough. It might be relational. It might be an issue with someone else in your family or elsewhere, and it's a struggle. God says, don't give up on that. You need to push through. It might be uh, spiritual. It might be issues in your own heart and life that you're battling with. The attack of the enemy may be very real upon you, and you feel it pressing on your life. You say, God, I don't know if I can break through. God says, don't give up. On your field. I have peace for you. I have strength that I want to bring into that area of your life. Don't give up. What field is it that you're to stand in this year? What is it God's saying? This is your field. See, we all get to moments where we're tempted just to let go. Right? You ever ever had that feeling? Just let go of this. It's just a barley field. It doesn't really matter. Don't worry about it. And yet, something in you knows that by just letting go and giving up, you won't feel satisfied. You know that. So follow that, because that's God pulling you. That's God stirring you. That's God saying, yes, come on. Engage again. Engage in the field again. Don't run away again. Come on. I want to give this field to you. I want you to see victory. I want you to see breakthrough. So we want to pray with you. We actually have in your... Can you... Uh, open up your program for me. If you have one, if you don't, we'll get you one. But if you open up your program, there's a card in there and it says, please help me stand in my field. Please help me stand in my field. Every program has a couple of these. And so here's what it says. You can, now, now here's what we want to do. Okay, I'll explain first before I go through the card. We want to encourage you to fill these out. Now, you don't have to fill them out today, although it would be best if you filled them out today if you're like me, you're going to go home and forget about it completely. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm preaching on it right now, and I'll probably forget about it. That's just the way it goes. So what I'm saying is, before you forget about it, maybe take a couple minutes at the end and write down what you would like prayer for, what field, what area you're believing for breakthrough for, okay? And if you're confident and you're okay with it, put your name on it. If you're not, that's fine. But if you're confident, you say, no, I don't mind people knowing. I want people to pray with me then what we want to do is in the next few Sundays, we want to have time in our service where we will pray for different needs every week, okay? Because we want to stand together as a family. And the way we stand together is when we can agree, like this prayer of agreement, two or three agreeing. So we want to do that in the service even, where we can agree with you. So if you could do that, fill it out by the end and drop it off at the info table, all right, before you leave, that would be really good. And we can even start next week. We have people that pray before the service. In the prayer room, we will pray for you, uh, and we will begin to press in for you for your field. Can, do you hear me on this? I think this is an opportunity. Don't take this lightly. Having people agree with you in prayer is, is powerful. Again, let, let's think of this for a minute. You and I can pray on our own, right? But the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name and pray, I will do what they ask for. There is something different. It's like you know, the one lion, he's fighting on his own. The second one comes, the enemy dissipates. That's what it's like in agreement prayer. So don't just fight on your own anymore, right? Give us a request, and even if it's you don't know, put your name on it, we'll pray for you. We'll stand with you in prayer, all right? That's what we want to do. So what are the fields you need help standing in? Your family, your finances, your job? What is it? Your health? Where can we stand with you and pray? So that's the first question. How can we stand with you? How can you engage others to stand with you? You know, for some of you, you need to reach out to other people. See, this is the hard part. I don't want to admit I have need. So I'll just stay separate because then I don't have to admit that I actually need people. But that's called what? Pride. Right? Let's called pride. And what does the Bible say? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So when we're proud and we say, I don't want to let anybody know that I'm struggling, that's pride. And that resists, that means there's they're not grace flowing in. But if I say, God, show me the right people, help me bring the right people in my life that can know where I'm struggling so they can help me. And when we do that, listen, I do that in my life. I know this may shock you, but I'm not perfect. (laughs) I want more laughter than that, come on. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not, I got my own problems. But the thing is, I need people in my life and you need people in your life. So figure out who the people are you can trust in your life and then connect with them and say, I need you to walk with me. God gives grace to the humble. I need you to walk. Who can engage and stand with you? And here's the last one. Who can you help fight in their field? Now, here's the thing. This is a two-way street, folks, right? Let me just say this. Even if you're here and you're saying, I have all these needs, you know what God calls you to do like he calls me? is still to reach out to others. You'll never be perfect, just like I won't. You know what Proverbs says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I don't know about you, but I find when I give out to other people, there's an unusual like refreshment I receive. You ever find that? You're really tired and you go, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to help in this way, but I will. And then you do it and you feel like, that was actually kind of fun. You know, there's a bunch of us went uh, with the mustard seed and we went down and we gave away uh, the dows, and and Sharon Nicholson was there, and and Y.E. was there. We were down just before Christmas. We were handing out hampers, and it was a cold day, and everything. Well, that was fun, wasn't it, Y.E.? Like that was re- that was refreshing, and uh, we we gave away some hampers, and you know, even though we could have been doing a lot of other things that day, it was refreshing, right? It, it was like fun hanging out, and it was fun touching people. And all I'm saying is, that's what it is when we stand with other people it's not just who will stand with me it's like who can I stand with even though I I need people to stand with me who can I stand with and that would be my challenge for you so I'm giving you three questions can we handle three questions I know some of you're like I'm still getting over it being the new year okay hold on we're, we're gonna make it through we're gonna make it through first question is where do I need to stand what field do I need to stand in right second qu- question is how can I engage others to stand with me who can I approach? How can I connect? Thirdly, how can I get others praying for me? That prayer card would be perfect, right? Get that in. We can pray with you. Number four, who can I help fight in their field? Who am I called to stand with? Who am I called to invest my time this year or the, part of the start of this year? Those are some questions I want to ask you. Now, one of the things that we're doing is uh, we're working on our home group strategy right now. And our goal is to kind of reboot our home groups and have them, you know, function in a way that we think will be even better. And we really want to connect people in our church so that, that, that even though we're a big city and we're spread out all over the city, we can have relationship and community. We really desire that. And so we're working on that. One of the things that I want to mention to you that I think will help you with this fight in your field is our days of prayer and fasting coming up here. I think there's a slide or right at the end, or it's an um, announcement slide, and it's coming up the twenty. Uh, see, twenty-first through the Friday, the twenty-fifth. Now, what we want to do is we want to give you some notice on this, and this is an opportunity to fight together in our fields. Okay, because there's a corporate blessing when we join in prayer and in fasting, and and fasting is is a way that we honor God. Um, it can be a number of things, like you know, obviously. Just drinking water and not eating food, that would be your kind of your pure fast. Uh, but there's other ways to fast. There's, there's a Daniel fast where you just have fruit and vegetables. And uh, there, if you can't, you know, do something that's in a dietary way, then you can give up, you know, television. You can give up social media. You can do a combination of the above. The bottom line is you do something that denies yourself and honors God. And while you do that, you actually press into prayer. That's the idea, is that, Lord, I'm changing my lifestyle, I'm changing my focus so that I can focus on you, so that I can pray and I can listen to you. And so we want to encourage the church to do that for those five days, is to, um, whatever God calls you, and this gives you a couple weeks to pray about it and see what God's calling you to do and what he's saying. uh, Because let me just say this. I have found that if I just do something, well, there's two things that can happen, okay? Let me just say this right now. There can be two responses to this kind of call right away, okay? I'll just say what they are. One is, okay, I'll do this, right, quickly. I'll just, I'll just do this, which may or may not be what God has for you. It might, it might be more than that. Who knows? Or I won't do this. <laughs> Second response is, no, I'm not going to do that. Let me just push on both responses. Go home and pray because this is meant to be helpful to you and meant to be helpful to what God wants to do in your life. Go home and say, God, how do you want me to, to participate? What do you want me to do? What means the most to me? What, what would be a sacrifice for me that, that would honor you in my life so that I can seek you? So go home and think about it. Process it. And then say, God, how do you want me to pray? What, what, is, what is the target of what, what I'm going to do this year? Where do you want me to press in? And then ask him for that, and he'll speak to you. And we'll help you with that as time progresses. But I really, honestly, folks, I believe this can be a very, very key time. Not only for you, but for our church. You know, I, I believe that, and I want to thank all of you that remain and continue to fight for this field that is Church of the Rock Calgary. Because it's a field. It's a place that God has given us. It, it is a calling to be here in this city. I believe that. And it hasn't always been easy, right? We have our challenges. We have our struggles. But here we are. We're still here. We're still in our field. But this is an opportunity for us to fight and pray together. You know, we've been believing for a new venue for some time. We still are. And it hasn't been easy. You know, this would be a good time to press into that and pray some more. There's other things we're believing for. Even when I talk about these home groups and having groups in our city that would thrive and prosper in community, we want that. And that hasn't always been easy. Well, maybe this would be a good time to pray for that, to press in on that, right? So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to really engage in this and to pray about it and to consider it and say, God, this is an opportunity. Because I think, I don't just think, I know that when we join together, there's a cumulative effect. When you join with other people, remember, on your own, the enemy's nipping around you, and you feel overwhelmed. But when you join with others, the enemy flees. That's what you need to see. That's what God has for us. I believe God has changed for us this year. I believe he has breakthrough for each one of us. You know, in the prayer room today, a couple things were shared. One, and, and this is what we do, we pray, you know, every week, there's a group of people that pray in the prayer room, and we listen to God for this service and for you, because we believe God has something for you. And so one of the words was that there, there uh probably a number of people here. There's been a weariness in waiting for the change, almost like when it's been winter for a long time and you want spring to come. How many are already there? Anyway, okay, we won't go there. But, but you know, you, you've been waiting for spring for a long time and, and it's not coming and you're tempted to give up on the change. And the the picture was like Joseph in the Bible who, in a day, he went from the pit to the palace, right? He went from prison to being in a place of authority in a day. It's an amazing story. You should read it. And the picture was, don't give up just before the breakthrough. I mean, wouldn't it be sad to let go of something God was doing just before it was going to change? Like, that would be terrible. And so for some people here, I think the word was, you're close to a breakthrough. Winter's going to end. Don't give up. Another picture was how God wanted to bring his new wine. And uh, that's a picture of the presence of God, right? The, the new wine is a picture of the Holy Spirit coming in. And it's like people have prepared themselves. They've even, um, there's a picture of wineskins being prepared for the new wine. And people have prepared themselves, but they're not seeing the change yet. And it was like God was saying that that new wine is coming. I hope I got that right. That that he was going to fill you. You've been preparing and he's going to come with the new wine. That was part of the picture anyway. And let go of the old disappointments and start with fresh faith. I think the biggest challenge if you've been a believer for a while, and even if you're here and you're not yet a Christ follower, the biggest challenge is when you have some history, to actually let go of your history and believe that it can change, right? Because you you go through things and, and you think this is reality and it will never be any different than this. And I think the challenge for us as we start this fresh year is say, hey, God, give me fresh faith. Help me stand in my field again. Help me fight by your grace that I might see breakthrough this year, that I might see what you've promised me. Would you stand please? We're gonna pray. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of the Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.